0: today and then actually this next week we're going to be finishing up the series and actually finishing up our fasting time. Um, But we're in week number five and we've told you each and every week that we were called into the kingdom of God by his love. Everybody say "By by his love. And we were called to be builders of that kingdom by that same love and through that same love so that The same love that called us into the kingdom is the same love that works within us in order for us to work in or to build the kingdom. Now, the Bible says it this way in Ephesians, the second chapter. If you have your Bible there, I'm going to read it out of God's Word translation. Read it out of whichever version that you have available there. But it says, you are no longer foreigners and citizens or outsiders, but citizens together with God's people and members of God's family. You are built on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Christ Jesus Himself is cornerstone. In Him, everybody say, in Him. Are all the parts of the building fit together and grow into an holy temple in the Lord. And then through Him, everybody say, through Him. You also, and here's where I want you to take very special notice, also are being built in the Spirit together together with others, into a place where God lives. So what's happening in His love? We not only were called into the kingdom of God, and we became saved, or we we, we repented and, and left our past with Him, received His gift of salvation, but by His love, and then through His love, we are being built together to become a place where God lives. Now that's important, you say, you say, why is that important, Pastor? Because this is what the church or the family of God is. It's the place that God, in us and through us, lives and moves wherever we are. And listen, that's what we're supposed to be doing. We're we we are supposed to be being built to, into a place where God can live in our homes, in our, in our community, and, and especially in our city. This is what God is trying to do when He brings us together, is to build us into a place where we can become the place He lives. Now, what I'm going to tell you is a very simple thing. How many of you understand that your home needs God to live there? How many of you know that your community needs God to live there? How about your city? Our city needs Jesus Christ to live desperately in this place. Now, last week, Pastor Dave talked about the kingdom builder, Ezra. And if if you weren't here, I'm just going to encourage you to go online and you can catch that. They, They put it on the podcast and you can kind of catch up with it. But he so eloquently brought forth the kingdom builder, Ezra. And today we want to continue with another kingdom builder by the name, a man by the name of Nehemiah. Now... Nehemiah, if you have your Bible, you can, you can take it. You can go to Nehemiah, the second chapter, because we're going to go there in just a few moments. That actually is a book in the Bible. It's in the Old Testament. Some of you, or some of you are going, I never heard of that guy. Well, this is great because you're learning. Everybody say, I'm learning. I'm learning. Turn to the person next to you and say, no, I'm not sure about you, but I'm learning today. So let me, let me give you a little bit while you're turning. Let me give you a little bit of history on Nehemiah. Just a, a brief insight or a brief picture into his life. Nehemiah was was a Jew that was living in Persia. And he was there because his family was part of the exile or the Jews that had been taken slaves and captive several years and uh, several uh, decades ahead of that. And so he grows up as an exile and a slave in Persia. Now what you have to understand is most of the exiled Jews, most of those people were living as slaves. Say slaves. That's what their occupation would become because they had been overthrown and now they're living as slaves. Most, all of the Jews were living as slaves and they were looked down, or I should say they were looked down upon in almost every aspect of life. Almost, uh, whether it was just they, they were thought to be racially inferior or, or, uh, morally inferior or whatever. They were looked down. Everybody say they were looked down on. But Nehemiah, this man who was raised as a slave, this man who was raised as an exile, had risen over time to a very important position as a trusted advisor to King Artaxerxes, who was the Persian king. Now you have to say, well, what, what, was, what did he do? Well, he was, in those days, they had what would be called a cupbearer. And what that was, the cupbearer was responsible not only to give advice to the king, but he also was responsible to have somebody that would taste and, and, and try all of his food and his drinks before he ever imbibed any of them so that if someone was trying to kill him, wouldn't you hate to have been on Nehemiah's staff? <laughs> Come on, you're on Nehemiah's staff, you're the front line that gets to taste the poison just in case. Come on, I don't know if there was a whole lot of people that were signing up to be on Nehemiah's team. But anyway, this is what Nehemiah was. He was a cupbearer, but he was a trusted advisor to King Artaxerxes. And I, 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 wanted, I want to just push that to you for a second because I want you to understand. I believe the Holy Spirit wants you to understand that or someone to hear that today. It doesn't matter who you are or what other people think about you or where you are. And even if you think you are insignificant and living in obscurity, God can raise you up and anoint you for greatness and purpose in His kingdom. He took a man that was living in slavery and put him to one of the highest positions that had the king's ear. Listen, I'm trying to tell somebody, it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are right now. If God has a plan for your life, it doesn't matter how many demons of hell oppose you. You can and will rise up. Some of them say, I'll accept that in Jesus' name. See, Nehemiah had heard from fellow, fellow Jerusalemites or Jewish people that the walls of Jerusalem had been broken down. And the Bible says in Nehemiah the first chapter, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says in Nehemiah 1 that when Nehemiah got this word, he broke down and he wept. So he asked the king, I mean, he, he's talking about his homeland, you know, he hasn't been there forever it seems like, but he asked his king, he said, listen, the, the king saw him and said, Nehemiah, why, why are you so uh, depressed, why are you so downtrodden, why, are you, why, why is your countenance so off today? And, and Nehemiah told him, he said, well, the place that I was raised, my, my heritage, my family, my, you know, all that I had as a, as a, as a legacy uh, that, that I came from, and all that I'm trying to produce, the place Jerusalem... That we consider holy. He said, the walls have been broken down because of opposing people and because of wars and enemies that have been coming in. And so, so what he did was very bold. He said, Listen, King, would you let me go for a short time and help rebuild the walls of my hometown, Jerusalem? Now you got to remember, here is a guy who has risen from slavery. Here's a guy whose family is in exile, and he's asking the king for a favor if he'll give him some time off. Listen, some of you don't even have too much courage to go ask your boss for a couple days off. and our, uh, Nehemiah is asking his boss, he's asking the king who has all ability to do whatever he wants to do, he says, listen, can I have some time off? Because I want to go to my homeland. I want to work on the walls of the city of Jerusalem and rebuild them. And this is what happened. The king not only said, yes, you can have the time. But the king went ahead and said, listen, what do you need to get it done? I'll give you all the materials and all the money, all of the stuff you need to get it done too. Oh, come on, you didn't get that. You didn't get that because you've got to remember, Artaxerxes was not a Jew. He had no investment into this place called Jerusalem. He had an investment into his kingdom, into the place that he ruled. He wasn't a Jew, but what he did, you've got to understand, was that he financed the entire mission and call of Nehemiah. Listen to me, folks. He wasn't a believer in God, and yet he did a work for God. Come on! It reminds me of a scripture that says, "The wealth of the wicked." Come on, somebody! It's laid up for the just. What? Listen, stop looking at your resources and what you can personally do. What you've got to understand is that God can take the people that you're even serving under to elevate you and put you over, and to help you do whatever God called you to do. Listen, I've given you a couple of different things that somebody in this house ought to say. Thank you, Jesus. Listen, you've got to understand, God can take the people you have to serve under and make them the very ones who will bless you and support you in building the kingdom of God all around you. So so when Nehemiah, he got to Jerusalem. He brought all the people of of Jerusalem together. And he said in Nehemiah, the second chapter, and here's where I said that I was going. Nehemiah, the second chapter in the 17th verse. He said, you see the distress that we are in. Now, you've got to catch this. So he's talking to the people that are living there. Now listen, how many of you know that you can live in something so long that after a while you just, you you don't see it anymore? How many of you have ever, you know, how many of you have ever walked into another place and you saw something and you said, well, they need to fix that. But you yourself are living with all kinds of mess at home. Listen, it's a lot easier sometimes to be on the outside looking in and see the stuff that needs to be fixed. I got a few people know what I'm talking about. But sometimes we can become very comfortable with the mess. Listen, let's, let's just admit it for the neighbor that we're sitting close by. Say, they have gotten comfortable at times with their own mess. Oh, you're all so beautiful and so nice this morning. Nobody's going to admit that. I, I, I love it. You, you just, you're loving this morning. That's what it is. I understand. But watch Nehemiah again. He says in the second chapter, You see the distress that we are in. How Jerusalem lies waste and its gates are burned with fire. Come and let us build the walls of Jerusalem. Now, watch this, that we may no longer be a reproach. Now, that word's really, really pretty important, that word reproach, because what it means in the Hebrew, it means to be disgraced or stripped in surrender. I'm going to say that again. The word reproach means to be disgraced in the Hebrew or it means to be stripped in surrender. In surrender, you, you've got to think. Now, those people, what Nehemiah was saying was, "Hey, hey, folks, listen. You see the, the mess we're in. We are living in a stripped, disgraced position to the rest of the world, and this isn't the way that God created His chosen people to live." Anybody in this house this morning can I get, listen. And this is an important kingdom truth that you've got to understand. This is a kingdom building truth. If we're going to build the kingdom of God, listen to me, there needs to be an attitude of no more surrender. What do you mean, pastor? What I'm telling you is that the enemy, the enemy of our soul, the enemy of our life, the enemy of our eternity has been working hard to back the kingdom of God and the church into a, cor- into a corner of surrender and being stripped of their ability and power. Into a corner of reproach. Listen, he's used oppression, he's used evil people, and here in America, he's even used our desire to be unoffensive against us. Listen, I, I know, listen, listen, don't, don't get me wrong. We're going, we're going to get someplace today, but you just stay with me. None of us wants to be offensive. I don't want to offend people. Now, I do it. Not because I'm really trying to, but there are times that that I do. None of us wants to sound or or look bigoted or or unkind to anyone. Amen? How many of you got up this morning with the thought and the goal and the purpose in mind, I hope to offend someone today. (laughs) Well, of course you didn't. But listen, we live in a society that is offended with anything and everything. what I'm trying to tell you is, Here's, here's the problem. Here's the problem, church. Listen to me. Listen to my heart. You've got to stay listening to me. Don't, don't shut me down just for one or two sentences. In our desire to be loving and non-judgmental, listen to me now, we cannot cross that dangerous line that says we surrender our lives, our homes, or our city. It is not okay for us to be judgmental against any person. And listen to me, listen to me, listen to your pastor. We should stand up for every person's civil rights and civil freedoms. Every person's. Well, I don't agree with them. I don't care. We should stand up as much for their civil rights and liberties and freedoms as much as we stand for ours. I don't agree. With many people in the world. Listen, I disagree with many people's choices. But I still defend their right to have a choice. But listen, I'm, I'm really not here to talk about civil liberties and civil freedoms. I'm here to talk about spiritual liberty and spiritual freedom. Because if we're really going to be free, can I tell you there is only one way to have real liberty. There is only one way and it's God's way. Well, pastor, you're you're becoming bigoted now. You, you You need to understand that all roads lead to God. All roads lead to a God, but not all roads lead to God Almighty. Listen, we can never surrender this truth. What truth, pastor? Acts, the fourth chapter, the tenth and the twelfth verse says this. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you and is healed. He, Jesus, is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Now watch this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. Pastor, that's bigoted. You need to understand. We need to be non-judgmental. We need to accept that there are all roads and we're all God's children. Listen, this scripture is implicitly telling you there is only one way. If not shouting, move on. Okay. You want me to tell you again? John the tenth chapter, verse seven through nine. Jesus Himself said again, "I tell you the truth, I am the gate." For the sheep. All oh, whoever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. Listen, I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. Oh, pastor, you're, you're, you're getting into dangerous. No, 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 listen. I, I, I don't have a problem. I really, really seriously do not have a problem loving anyone and everyone. I don't have a problem loving you. If you're an atheist, I will love you. If you are agnostic, I will love you. If you are humanistic, I will love you. I have no problem loving you. I have no problem supporting your right to have a choice. But what I'm going to tell you, that even though salvation is available to everyone, it is by no other name that we are saved. And this is what we cannot surrender to. Listen, I'm not saying be mean-spirited to people. Come on, come on. I'm not saying let's go, let's go begin to put some signs up and pick it at somebody's funeral. No, that's ignorance. Amen. That's hate. But what I am saying is this. We cannot allow the enemy to force us to surrender the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Well, listen, I just need to call him the, 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 the man upstairs. I need to call him the big guy. I need to, that way I won't, you know, I don't offend anybody. Listen, I'm not trying to be offensive. But it is by no other name. It's not by the name of the big guy. Come on, I know this sounds a little old fashioned I apologize if it is, but what I'm trying to tell you, it is by no other name that we are saved than by the name of Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He's our deliverance. He's our liberty. He's our answer. And like Nehemiah, we need to begin to repair the walls of our homes with the name of Jesus, our families with the blood of Jesus, and our city with the kingdom of Jesus. That we may no longer be a reproach. Stripped and living in surrender. Listen to me. Do you know that building the kingdom of God means that we stand and proclaim Jesus Christ is the answer. Well, Pastor, you know, I, I understand that. And it's, you know, you need to do that. No, we need to do that. Oh, that's okay, Pastor, you do that. Because, you know, people at work know that, you know, they, they, that they know me. And I listen, we need to stop surrendering the name of Jesus Christ. You get them, preacher. Thank you, I will. I'll encourage myself and the Lord. Listen, listen. In fact, some of you ought to start going through your homes. Going through your business. I'm not saying you've got to shout it out and act silly. But I'm saying start going through your home and speak the name of Jesus over it. Start going through the business where you work and start speaking the name of Jesus over it. When you're driving through this city, start speaking the name of Jesus Christ in this city again. There is no other name by which we must be saved. We cannot surrender that name. Again, I'm not saying be mean-spirited. I'm not saying being, uh, be offensive by, by, by rote and by, by, by trying to be offensive. But I'm saying that there has to come a point where we begin to say, No, there is no other name but the name. Of Jesus Christ. Let me let me explain this to you, though, because if if you decide to help, if you decide to get on board, if you decide to do this, the moment you decide to stop surrendering is when you will become tested and tried. What are you talking about, Pastor? Well, our decision to stand and proclaim Jesus Christ is going to elicit a response from the enemy. Why do you think that the name... Why well, Why is there such opposition to Christianity? Because of the name! By which there is no other... Sub- oh, you are not catching this. We're not fighting... Listen, I'm not fighting Muhammad. I'm not fighting Buddha. I'm not fighting anything... What I am is fighting an enemy who is trying to suppress the name of Jesus Christ because it is the only name by which we will be saved. I'm not fighting people. I'm fighting the power of the prince of the air. And my decision, your decision, our decision to stand and proclaim his name is going to elicit a response from the enemy. And the enemy is going to try... And He's going to try to bring up every failure of your past. He's going to try to bring up every mistake you've ever made and every past sin that you have made or have to keep you bound in the shame of the past so you will not say, no more surrender. Listen, it's, it's, it's hard to stand with, with authority in your own home when the people of your own home know that you always haven't lived. Come on, you ain't in this house. If I have at least one or two people be real with me and say, Yeah, I've had to face off with that, Pastor. Listen, I've not always been perfect. Turn to the person next to you and say, "Who Who you're sitting beside now has not always been as perfect as it is right now. And sometimes... When you stand up to make that decision and you say, listen, no more surrender of my home. No more surrender of my family. No more surrender of my loved ones. No more surrender of my job. No more surrender of my community. No more surrender of my block. No more surrender of my city. There will be an enemy that will try to rise up and say, ah, how can you say that? You know where you've been, you know what you've done, you know who you did it to and who you did it with. How many of you have ever had to face off with an enemy that wanted to remind you of everything you'd ever done wrong? Come on. How many of you ever had to face off with discouragement? How many of you ever, come on, every one of us have had to face off with this enemy. Here's what we've got to understand. We cannot fall into fear. We cannot give up. Because the back of the book says, come on somebody. The back of the book says in everything we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. Who loved us. That name is Jesus. Great God I feel like whipping somebody right now. Listen, the back of the book says we can do what? All things. Not just a few things. Not just I I don't have listen, I'm talking about no more surrender, even though the test and the trial come. I will not give my home. I will not surrender my block. I will not surrender my city. This was Nehemiah, the second chapter. In verse 18, it goes on and it says, Then I told them of the hand of my God, which was good upon me. As also the king's words that he had spoken unto me. And they said, Let us rise, up and build. So they strengthened their hands for this good work. Everybody say, But. Come on, say it good and strong. But. When Sanballat the Horonite, and Tobiah the servant, the Ammonite, and Geshem the Arabian heard it, they laughed us to scorn, despised us, and said, What is this thing that ye do? Listen. How many have ever started to step out for Jesus and someone started laughing at it? What are you trying to do? <laughs> are you kidding? Are you for real? I know you. Now I, think, I think it's interesting. Let me just take a second because I think it's interesting where the attacks came from. Can I show you this? Because there was, first off, there was a guy by the name of Sandbout. He's the governor of of Samaria and he's a practicing Jew. Everybody say he's a practicing Jew. What does that mean, Pastor? He's supposed to be in the faith. He's part of the church. He's He's part of the church brethren and sisters. You'll catch it on the way home. Listen, he's part. Everybody say he's part. He's a practicing Jew. But he desired political power over any desire for God. That's right, you those politicians are all crooks. No, stop putting every one of them into a basket. Just like not every Christian is bad. Just like not every pastor is bad. Just like not everybody on your row is. Just like not everybody that you look into the mirror. Some of you are going to catch that. You're going to go, it takes a while. I know. It's, it's spinning in there right now. It's kind of trying to catch a gear. Listen. But this man, he's supposed to be part of the family. He's supposed to be a practicing Jew. He is part of the church, but yet he desires political power over and he desires for God. Then there's a man by the name of Tobiah. Now, he is a practicing Jew as well. But he didn't want to upset the social power ladder he was trying to climb. Listen, y'all can, y'all can say Jesus in your home. Go to your prayer closet. Go see War Room. It's alright, but keep it to yourselves. Oh, see, I, I, I thought I had maybe somebody that know what I'm talking about here. Go ahead and start speaking the name of Jesus. Do it in your own time, on your own time, and do it quietly underneath your breath. Don't upset the balance of power that I'm trying to establish. Are you in this house? I think it's interesting where the attack came from. Let me, let me give you this. There's a man by the name of Geshem. Now, he's a foreign dignitary from Persia. He has no Jewish roots whatsoever. But he didn't want the people to upset his plans of power. Watch this. The attacks are from inside. Oops. Oops. Everybody say, oops. The attacks are from inside and some from out. And what you need to understand from that is not everybody is going to celebrate your pulpit. Are you in the house? Tweet that. Not everybody's going to celebrate your pulpit. Not everybody's going to embrace the fact that you believe in Jesus. Not everybody's going to throw you a party when you stand up for right. But don't stop. Don't surrender. Because why, Pastor? This is my city. This is my home. This is my family. I refuse to surrender the name of Jesus. What I think is important is that every one of those attacks was about a power struggle. Everybody say power struggle. struggle. And you need to understand there's still a power struggle for our lives, for our homes, and for our city. God wants freedom in every one of our lives, but there's a power struggle not to have it. So here's what we need to see and say with Nehemiah. Listen to me. We need to say with Nehemiah, no more surrender to fear. Because God's perfect love... Is casting down every fear. No more surrender to the shame and the guilt of our past because our past can become a pulpit. No more surrender to the enemy to wipe out our babies with drugs. No more surrender to the poverty that tries to imperish all of Richmond and Wayne County. No more surrender to the hatred and racial divide. No more surrender. See, this is what the Bible says in 1 Peter, the fifth chapter. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that He may lift you up in due time. Listen to me. Everybody say, it's due time." time. It is due time. He goes on, he says, cast all your anxiety, your fears, your concern, your stresses on Him because He cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. But you resist him standing firm in faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. The God of all grace who calls you to His eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will Himself restore and make you strong and firm and steadfast. I, I, I don't like that word suffered. But let me tell you what it means. It means to experience a sensation or to feel. How many of you have ever experienced some sensations and you have felt? Some of you are dead. Bless your heart. We need to have a prayer-raising, dead-raising service. How many of you have ever felt? Some of you are still dead in this house. Help them, Jesus. Listen, every one of us have had sensations and felt. We've had experiences and we've had feels. Come on. And sometimes our experiences and our feelings can make us want to back down and quit this thing. The feelings of inadequacy, the feelings of imperfection, the feelings of guilt and shame about our mistake in our past. But listen to me, what I, I, I've got to have you hear this The test, the trial, those feelings are not going to last forever. Oh Somebody listen to me right now. That feeling is not going to last forever. Listen, I told you that some of you came into this week or you came into this day rejoicing because it's a new one. I did personally. I had some rough stuff going on this week. I had some rough stuff I had to deal with in me. Some feelings that tried to raise up and some stuff. You said, like, what happened? To you? Well, it's none of your business. Get yourself together. Don't worry about me. Come on, but I had some feels. Come on, any of you ever had a week of feels? Some of you lying like a dog. How many of you have ever had a week of feels? Some of you didn't raise your hand because you've had a month of them. <laughs> I understand you're trying to be nice. Some of you still stuck in a year of them. Come on. I had some fields. I got up this morning. And you know, what I hate is, I always hate when you get the fields right before you try to go to bed. Anybody ever had fields come on you when you are trying to go to bed? Because then all through the night, my mind is trying to deal with my fields. And my body's trying to deal with my sleep. And my mind and my body are fighting against each other. What I loved about it. Let me just tell them myself. What I loved about it is at the beginning of this fast, I decided I was going to read a couple of chapters every day for 40 weeks. There's some other stuff, but that was just part of it. And I've been reading since we started two chapters... Plus another chapter, two chapters, three chapters, five or six chapters a day. And I, I decided this is what I'm, I'm going to do. You know, I'm going I'm to do this in addition to some other things that I'm doing. But I decided I was going to read those two chapters every day. I'm just, I picked these two and I'm going to read them every day. Every day. I could almost quote them. And you know what started coming up out of my spirit during the time that I'm dealing with my fields and my sleep? Those scriptures. My answer started coming from my spirit. And so my feels had to kind of back up because every time my feels would start coming up, my spirit would come up and it'd say, But remember the scripture that said such and such and such and such. And then my feels would, would back up for a couple minutes and I'd go to sleep and then my feels would come back. And then my spirit would come back and I'd say, But remember the scripture that says. Come on. What I'm trying to tell you is every one of us has some feels. That's part of being alive. You're going to have some good weeks and you're going to have some that are not so good. I'm not going to call them bad because I hate to do that, but you're just going to have some. Everybody say, you're going to have some weeks. But listen to me, the test, the trial, those fields, that week is not going to last forever. And this is what God needs and God wants in this city of Richmond. He wants some people, some ordinary people, who will keep walking through the fields to build His kingdom. Why would anybody take that kind of risk, Pastor? That's, that's just a little too much risk. I, you know, we, we've got to be careful now, Pastor, because that's just a little too much of to ask of us. Let me, let me bring this down to you just real quick, because I've got to bring this to a close. I believe if you asked Nehemiah and those Jews, why would you take the risk? I believe they would have said, we're building something that's bigger than us. We're building for next generations. And here's most importantly that I believe today. We're building for eternity. We're building for eternity. I'm going to tell you again. We're building for eternity. I'm going to tell you one more time. We're building for eternity. Eternity. What I'm trying to tell someone, and I, I pray that the Holy Spirit grips your mind. I pray He grips your life. I pray He grips your emotions. And if He has to, grip your bladder so you don't have to run. I pray He grips you and sticks you in your seat for a minute because I want you to hear me with the plainest of clarity. Don't ever Forget there is an eternity that is coming. Don't forget that there is a heaven to gain and a hell you ought to try to stay out of. Stop forgetting that every man and woman and boy and girl is one day going to slip the bonds of this this personage, this humanity, and we will stand before the Almighty God. Don't forget there is an eternity. Why would you do this, Pastor? Why would you endure anything? Because there is an eternity that is coming. Listen to me. I want my family. I want my loved ones. I want the people around me to enter into an eternity of Jesus and His presence. That's why I say no more surrender. I've got family. I've got loved ones. I've got people I care about that are around me and I do not want to surrender them to an eternity in hell. That's why I build the kingdom. There is an eternity. How do we do it, Pastor? Well, let's go back to Nehemiah, the fourth chapter. And I'm coming to a close. Nehemiah the fourth chapter verse one through two says, But it came to pass that when Sandalot heard that we builded the wall, he was wroth and took great indignation. Devil gets mad. The devil will get mad. Listen to me, the devil will get mad. When you start speaking the name of Jesus over your home, the devil will get mad. When the, you start speaking the name of Jesus over hell and use in Wayne County and Richmond, the devil will get mad. When you start speaking against the inequality and racial divide, the devil will get mad.. Yeah. Yeah. And he mocked the Jews. You silly Christians, you backwards. Non-inclusive, silly, old-fashioned, unlearned, Bible-thumping Christians. If I had my Bible, I'm not going to thump my, my iPad. I'd thump it. They mocked the Jews and said, What do these feeble BWCers? Will they fortify themselves? Will they sacrifice? Will they make an end in a day? Oh, don't leave me now. Will they revive the stones out of the heaps of the rubbish which are burned? What do we do, Pastor? Well, there's the answer. Listen. Because the word stones does not just mean a rock. I love this. In the Greek and the Hebrew... Let me just get you a sidestep. Side I, I promise I won't stay here long. But in the Greek and the Hebrew, there are always the possibility of secondary meanings. Alright? You have, of course, you have your first generalized meaning. And then there's always the possibility in the Hebrew and the Greek of a secondary meaning. Everybody say secondary. secondary. I love the secondary meaning of this. Because the word stones, the second, secondary meaning means to build, to make repairs, to set up, or to obtain children. Great God, I wish I could preach. See, what I'm trying to tell you is this is about our city. This is about our church. This is about our children. Our families and eternity to come. Why are you doing this, Pastor? Why are we trying to build the kingdom? Why do you keep telling us, build the kingdom? Why do you keep hashtagging, this is my city? Because we have children. We have families. And we have an eternity. This is how we do it. See, it says in that that second verse, in verse 2 it says, it ends with this, it says, Will they revive the stones out of the rubbish that has already been burned? Take a second, I, I promise, I'm, I'm, I'm going to bring this to a close as quickly as I can, maybe. Um, I don't want to lie in the pulpit. But listen, what I'm trying to tell you is this. How many of you know that you can look around Richmond, Indiana, Wayne County, you can already see some families and some homes and some businesses and some situations that have already been burned by hell? My son, it was, he was so gracious the other day, on his mother's birthday, took me to lunch. I thought it was wonderful. Actually, he called her first. Don't, don't try to chastise him. He called her first, but she was busy. And he said, Dad, I'm already out. You want to go to lunch? I said, yes, I'll take her place. So we're sitting there across from, from lunch, or across, across the table, eating lunch. And the subject came up and I said, you know what? I don't envy our mayor. I didn't vote for I don't care who you voted for. Shut up. That has nothing to do with it. I said, I don't envy our mayor. I said, because he has three major issues that need to be addressed in Richmond, Indiana. The economy. Drugs. And education. I don't know what the percentage was. But I don't know if it was from the beginning of the year or if it was last year. I didn't get all the statistics. But 54 babies born in Reed Hospital were born with heroin problems. We are now ranked... In the top seven in the state of Indiana for the dumbest cities in Indiana, we're number seven. That takes account of the dropout rate and the people that have not and will not ever go back for their GED. Listen, if you don't have a GED, I don't care. I just don't want that to be our claim to fame. We are listed... Above the national average for unemployment. Quite a bit above the national average. And where we've seen other places that started to drop off and they started getting better, we've remained high. Listen, I I don't envy the mayor. I'm telling you, you ought to be praying for him. You ought to be praying that the Holy Spirit give him insight, wisdom, and knowledge, supernatural strength, and an ability to bring both sides together so that he can make, start making a change. Well, he's I don't care who he is or what his political venue is. He has a hard job ahead of him. Here's what I'm trying to say. We can look around us and see homes and families in the city. We can see the effects of the fires of hell that have already been trying to burn and destroy. And I know a lot of people have said that our day is past. I've had people that have said, Well, why don't you just get out of Dodge? Number one, I don't live in Dodge. I live in Richmond, Indiana. So there is no retreat, there is no surrender. Oh, I wish I had a few folk to help me this morning. I know there's some people that have wanted to count Richmond and Wayne County off. I've had people that have said, I hate living here. To that, I want to encourage you that Brother Jim, who's in touch with our men's ministry, if you hate it so badly... And you're going to speak against it so vehemently. We will organize a moving team to try to help you move. This is my city. Stop talking bad about it. Stop trashing it. Stop running it down. I don't care what it looks like right now. It is my city. It is my family. It is the place that God planted us. And I, for one, say, no more surrender. No more. Listen to me. If, if, even if you don't, even if you don't agree with that, listen, some of you ought to say no more to my family being lost. This is what I'm saying. I'm saying no more surrender. I'm saying, Jesus, use me. I'm saying, Jesus, let the test become a testimony. Let the trial become a pulpit. And in what others would call discarded and rubbish, raise up a remnant of life and hope and joy and ministry and the kingdom of God. Give Him a praise in this house. Great God! Listen, I said I was closing. I will after this. Because in Nehemiah the fourth chapter, verse 14 and 15, it says, And after I looked things over, I stood up and said to the nobles, the officials, and the rest of the people, Don't. Be afraid of the haters. Don't be fearful of the ignorant. Don't back up because of those who don't know how to love regardless. Don't give in. To the temptation that says, "Cut and run," he said, "Don't be afraid of them." Here's where you've. I've got. To, I've got to leave this with you. Remember the Lord, who is great and awesome. Remember, who are we doing this for, church? The Lord who is great and awesome. Who's going to reward us? The Lord who is great and awesome. Who's going to walk with us? The Lord who is great and awesome. Who's going to bring us through? The Lord who is great and awesome. And this is why he said, you better remember this. He said, fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives, and your homes. Fight for your sons, your brothers, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your brothers, your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. Fight for your grandbabies. Come on. Fight for the neighbors. Fight For the people who live down the road. I don't like them. You better start loving them. Because one day there's an eternity that's going to come. I refuse to stand before God. Instead of well done, he says, well. Well. I gave you 24 hours a day. I gave you seven days a week. I gave you 12 months a year. I gave you 365 days like everybody else. Well, but Lord, you need to understand. I didn't have but two cars. I didn't have but three vacations each year. I didn't have all of the luxuries that everyone else has. It was so hard for me. There's an eternity. Fight for your brothers, for your sons, your daughters. Daddy, Mama. Grandma Grandpa. Would you not fight? No more surrender. Listen, I remember. Oh, Jesus! I remember when I was younger. I was the youngest, not the smallest, but the youngest of six. And and in my family, we fought like cats and dogs. We fought. In fact, we had such a loving family that my father would just get tired of it and he'd say, Listen, if you're all gonna kill yourself, go to the barn and do it, because you're just messing with my head right now. Get out of here. It wasn't that he told us not to kill each other, he said, Just listen, if you're gonna go do it, go out there. Because I can't hear you killing each other and screaming at each other out in the barn. So we go to the barn. And we would fight. We would knock down, drag out, bite, claw, kick—anything we could. I remember getting so mad at my brother sometime that just—you know—when you, you just have that fits, like, a, like Sonic. <laughs> you don't know who you're fighting or who you're. T- I could have been punching the neighbor or the cow, but I was punching something. You ever had those times when you just are so mad you just you're just going to hit everything, fight like cats and dogs, man? But you know what, Dave? I'd go to school, and I remember that my brothers who just whipped me in the barn. Came up to came up behind me when somebody was challenging. Come on. See, so I'm six seven. I've got two brothers, six three, one One that's six five. We got a shorty that's six. My sister's five five ten to half five eleven. Now she'd stand behind them all. I guess she was the nurse, so she's going to clean it up after it all was done. But, you know, we'd stand there. And it's like, seriously? I remember when somebody else would challenge my brothers. Now, I just wanted to punch their lights out a few minutes ago. But wait, 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 wait. You trying that? Uh Uh-uh. Uh-uh. You better step off. You better step back. You better understand this is my brother. You better understand this is my family. You better understand this are my grandbabies. Come on, somebody. You better understand this is my daughter. This is my son. This is my home. This is my family. This is my loved one. Come on, I wish I had somebody just help me for a second in this house. You better understand this is my block. You come on this block trying to sell your stuff. I'll tell you in the name of Jesus, I'll drive you out in the name of Jesus. I'll pray every second until you get so inflicted with pain and suffering that you ain't gonna wanna be selling nothing on my block or my city. Well, you're, you're, you're advocating violence. Yes, in the spirit! Somebody ought to get a little ticked off at the devil. Yeah. Somebody ought to rise up and say, No more surrender! Yeah. I wish should stand to their feet and just give him a shout. As I said, I was going to close. I am. I got you standing. How are we going to do this? All right? Let me give you two things. This is going to be so fast. This is going to be so quick. Pastor Pat, you're not praying today. You and Gina get out. You're going to you're hug and love on people. They're going to love and hug on you because I am nasty sweaty right now. You don't want a hug from me right now. I'll go change clothes, and if you're still around, I'll hug and kiss all over you later. How do we do it practically? Everybody say practically. Ready? Number one, don't surrender to fear. But speak the truth in love. Don't surrender the truth. Don't surrender the name of Jesus Christ. The truth, the answer... The only real answer is Jesus Christ. That's why we build the kingdom. So don't surrender to fear. But speak the truth in love. Number two, the second practicality. Don't give in to the struggle for power over your life. Told you there was a power struggle, right? Right? This is where it starts. You stay humble. You keep walking in faith. And remember who you are representing. Jesus Christ. Here's what I want you to do. This week. Listen, we're not going to be mean. Everybody say, I'm not going to be mean. Turn to somebody and say, I I am not going to be mean. Now watch this. Watch this. Say, I'm not going to be mean to people. Did you catch that? Say it again. Say, I'm not going to be mean to people. But, I am going to become a hater of the devil. And all he does... As for me, my house, my home, my family, my loved ones, we will serve and build the kingdom of God. If you agree with that, would you just lift your hands and shout in this house? Come on, shout in this house! Come on, shout in this house! house! Listen, I told you. This. Speak the way he speaks. Love the way he loves. Do business the way he does business. Touch the way he touches. And speak his name. Listen, you get in that car today. You ought to be speaking the name of Jesus somewhere, somehow, some way. You go home. Speak the name of Jesus in that house. Well, what's that do? It starts building an atmosphere and an environment that welcomes the Spirit. As you go through the city, speak the name. Stop hating on the city and start blessing it in Jesus' name. Stop hating on people around you and start blessing them in Jesus' name. I'm going to tell you that Richmond is not going under. It's going over in the name of Jesus. Because God will take... Oh, don't make promises. Yes, God will take me home to glory before I give up the fight. Do I have at least one person in the house that lift your hand and say, Me too. Yeah. Me too in Jesus' name. Come on now, lift up all those hands and just praise Him for just a minute before you get out of this house. Come on, praise Him before you get out of this house this morning. Praise Him in this place for just a second. Praise Him in Jesus' name. Father, I bless these right now. I bless them. I bless them coming in, going out in their homes, in their houses, in their jobs, in the factory, in the uh, store. Lord, wherever they go this week, they're going to be so blessed that the blessing like a sponge and like a flow is just going to overflow out of their life in the name of Of Jesus Christ, we build the kingdom. Thank you, Father, in Jesus' name. God bless you. We love you. Come on, find at least five or six people on the way out.